Okay. So yeah, do-overs. We're not doing that one again. Uh, so anyway. yeah, close only counts in the military. Close counts in a lot of things. Because they have grenades. If you're making furniture or something of that nature, a little more precision is handy. Building a chicken coop, close enough counts. Well, you just, that has to go through the NOAA test. What? <laughs> That's how you know if did, it's been built correctly. Did he break it? Noah. <laughs> if Zion and Noah can figure out how to not only open it, but get inside of it. There is that. So you that guys, it wasn't built well enough. Are you guys doing anything for the eclipse, or are you staying home? I'm going to work, saved? just like every other day. Wow, really? Yeah, we're going to stop work around 10 o'clock, we're going to stand in the parking lot, burn our retinas out, and we're going to go back to work and try to line up t-shirt prints. <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. I think my favorite thing is people worried about their pets going blind. Uh, Really? Yeah. Uh, That's like a real thing. There apparently are some people who are... The one I want to see is apparently your chickens will go back into the coop in the middle of the day because it starts to get dark. They decide it's dark time. They they just go back home. So take one of your cameras and point it out back. Well, that's kind of what I want to do. Well, my coworker's wife is going to be home for it, and so she's going to watch it. And and I mentioned it because they've got chickens. They're going to watch, see if the chickens and ducks go roost. Ten minute nap in the middle of the day. Come out. What the fuck's going on? This. Yeah. What, what, what in the fuck happened here? Yeah. Right. I think if you're worried about your pets going blind, you should stop them from masturbating first. <laughs> you know what? If you were that flexible, you'd be doing it too. I would. Every man would. It's a classic thing. Oh shit. So, anyhow. So, masturbation, pets, and eclipse. Yeah. We've Ladies and all. gentlemen, we are Ruined Heroes. Yes, we are. We are a weekly self-produced podcast wherein yes, three of us are. discuss a topic of societal renown. I, Tyler, research like a monkey picking nits off his pal. John. I know where Google is. And Rupert. is so excited about the eclipse. <laughs> Quite obviously. The eclipse apocalypse. Or eclipse ellipse, I guess. Yeah, it's an ecliptolyptic phenomenon. Something like that. I found out they happen every 18 months somewhere on Earth. Well, yes, but this is the last one that's going to cross our path for like 70-something years. Yeah, but it's something like, yeah, and, you know, if you want to see another one, you're going to have to go all the way to, like, Texas. (laughs) Like, in about five years. No, I think it's South America. No, it's like Texas. The next one in the U.S. is like Texas to Virginia And it's like in five or six years or something like that. All right, back to the stuff. You can find us wherever you normally find podcasts, obviously. Uh, That's wherever you're listening to it. You can download episodes from our website, ruinedheroes.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review, especially on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever you want to call it. It helps other people find us. If you'd like to interact with us, we are Ruined Heroes Pod at Gmail, on Facebook, and on Twitter. If you'd like to help to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash ruinedheroes, where you get access to our extra shows for just a dollar a month. Extra shows are other things we record. They're no, not really topical. And uh, thanks. That's it. You got it. That's all. Holy shit. We're only three minutes in. We've already done the stuff. I know. Jeez, now what are we going to do? I don't know. God, we have to talk. Right. Again? So how about the solar eclipse? <laughs> <laughs> I heard people are scalping the glasses. The cheesy cardboard glasses people are scalping. Well, everything everywhere sold out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're scalping them and it's like they're, they're, they're trying to sell them for like 20 bucks on or they were 20 25 on eBay and stuff. It's pretty hilarious. actually that yeah. gets me. Um, so let's just correct I feel like I shit. missed an opportunity here. Right? Right. Yeah. I could have gotten a box mailed from China and made some money on this one. That has nothing to do with the topic, however. <laughs> uh, I do have a intro. This week's intro. This week, topic shares its name with a clothing line. 
a type of battery, a Soviet biplane, and a German submarine. A clothing line? A type of battery? A Soviet biplane and a German submarine. This week's topic shares its name with that. Energizer? No. Da-na-na. A type of battery. Yes. Yeah. You didn't say a brand You know, like a C battery. battery or a D battery. There's yeah. this particular type of battery. Double mm-hmm. A. <laughs> Are we talking about Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> That's pretty good. How about you two? <coughs> Is that a type of battery? Yep, apparently. Ah. Who would have known, right? Three brand new pairs of solar eclipse glasses never used. $75. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to YouTube. America. Um, I wanted to give a lot of credit to their site. They had a pretty good history on their site. And the fan page at u2.com is really pretty good. I got a lot of my information. I mean, you know what I'm really glad about there is you didn't make the common thing where if you're listening to any radio show long enough, somebody will claim, yeah, and U2's also the unemployment form in England. Is it really? Confu- no, but they get confused with UB40. <laughs> oh. U2 has nothing to do with... With unemployment forms in England. And the plane, by the way, it was not a Soviet plane. It was like a U.S. plane. No, it was a Soviet biplane. It was U2. That's what I found on the internet anyway. I gave you the two sites I that I visited, spent the most time on. The I went U2's, to lots of others. But. The U2 spy plane that held Gary whatever his name uh, that the Soviets shot down. I don't know. I think that might be what you're talking about. I anyhow. I figured that yeah, they. Yes, uh, the Lockheed U two. Yeah. I thought so the German submarine would kill you, would get you in. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. You know, it's a weird, crazy thing about the U two, is that plane has wing a wingspan so long and so thin, that when it lands, they drag on the ground. The tips. Do. Oh wait, I think I know what plane you're talking about. Yeah. And then when they, when they. When yep. they, I totally know that plane. So then, after it's finished, it's got skid pads on each end of the wing, on the underside, so it can skid on, on the, the runway. The, the wings hit the runway, and then when they want to throw it in the hangar, they come like and put, old school they skateboard put these sticks with wheels on them underneath, underneath the wings it, hold them up. and push it into the well, hangar. You're talking like rail guards on an old school skateboard, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that's actually the U-2 spy plane is actually how we beat the Soviets into space. Because the Soviets had the rocket stuff, but our experience with the U-2 spy plane enabled us to develop the space suit. Because you have to wear a space suit to fly a U-2 spy plane. Because it flies so high and fast. Right, and so we knew all about the human body and its interactions with spacesuits and everything. We had the damn spacesuits. It was basically sort of just like, I don't know, slap them more Slap one of these on the guy and put another layer of duct tape on the outside. And that's... Fucking duct tape fixes everything. All right. That's the main way that we beat them into space. You know, I'm 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 more okay. okay with the government spending five hundred dollars on a roll of duct tape than I am them spending five hundred dollars on a toilet seat. Okay, <laughs> duct tape at least has. We'll no go a lot uses. farther. I will I will give you duct that. tape has a lot more uses. <laughs> so according to their website, it was 1976 when 14 year old Larry Mullen posted an ad for a drummer seeking musicians to form a band. A fan site says, or a fan site or two out there says that Adam Clayton did this. 
he was soon joined by Adam Clayton, the Edge, whose name is Dave Evans, and Bono, whose Paul is his name is Paul Hewson. He then became Bono Vox, then just Bono. I have a few other names he stopped by on the way. This one were kind I of crazy. That's like one of the worst stage names ever. Bono. Yeah, I I was a little uh, it, uh, non-inspiring. <laughs> it is a little it's non-inspiring. Like, yes, I, I will give you that. It means somewhere. I'm a pretentious. Well, here, since we're on it, uh, he also went by Stein, Hegvan, Hoysen, Senio, Bang, Bang, Bang. All I hear is pretentious douche, pretentious douche, pretentious douche, pretentious douche. Bonovox of O'Connell Street. Then Bonovax, Vox, which is poor Latin for... uh, Good voice. Yes, well done. I I made a note to stop and see if Rupert did it, but yeah, good voice. So pseudonym invention is not his strong suit. His strong suit. No. no. <laughs> I just thought the edge was like a little bit kind of cooler because it's it is definitely like, cooler. Wow. Huh. That there it is. Just the edge. Boom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm it. I'm the edge. And it's rarely just edge. It's almost always the edge. Yeah. Like it's really kind of I don't know how he did. But that. yeah, U two is not one of those bands that U two does not have a the in the name. No. Right. But nobody ever makes a se- mistake of saying the U two. True. Nobody does. True. But like with a lot of other bands that don't have the, uh, people will throw it in. So they're originally called the Feedback, a five piece with a second guitar player Dick Evans, which is the Edge's brother, the Edge's brother, and then they changed their name to the Hype, and then eventually U two. The hype. The hype. The hype. Yep. God, these guys are not good on names. Not great at names. No. (laughs) They apparently chose U2. I didn't write this down, but I remember reading uh, at least a couple places. They chose U2 from a list that they'd worked out with their new producer, and it was the one they hated the least. (laughs) <laughs> kind, of, kind of like us letting Rupert pick a topic. What do you, what do you mean? Wait, so, so, so you're saying like Steve Lillywhite is like responsible for you too, the name? It wasn't, yeah. Well, he was involved. Oh. That's, that's, that's one of the rumors I well, read. Well, he made that on their first record. Yes, he did. He did. You know, he was sort of like the Nile Rodgers of that scene. You know, Nile Rodgers was sort of like the big post-disco Rick James producer and Steve Lillywhite was sort of the new the post-punk, post-punk yep. new wave producer. And he did totally find them. And that, that album, when that album came out, the sound <laughs> was like incredible. Well, it what happened is that CBS they, Records... They changed the way a lot of people thought about rock and roll. Well, they did. Point. I mean, really. They did a lot. Yeah. Uh, so the, 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 their original record, The Money Came, from CBS Records sponsored a talent show in 1978 and they won it. It was just before this that they changed their name to U2, and that's where Lily picked them up mm. and started playing them around uh, Europe first, of course, because oh. that's where they were, and then brought them to the States later. I may have written down when they came to the States. In the early days, there was a quote I heard. Uh, they realized that passion drew crowds more than musicianship, so they weren't too worried about becoming good musicians at the very beginning. <laughs> no, they were terrible. For, they, for quite a while. But they were known for like not knowing how to play their instruments when the band formed. Mm-hmm. I think they... Got past that, the first album a little bit. Well, what is it you said about CBGB when the when the vocalist sucks, just turn it just up. Just turn it up. <laughs> turn, turn, turn up the uh, reverb. Exactly. So yeah, uh, their first single was the single was Eleven O'clock Tick Tock, and the album Boy was released in May of 1980, October a year later, and then they made number one in 1990 or 1983 with the use of War, which which are all three. I listened to everything up through Rattle and Hum because that's all I own, and and. I was impressed listening back. They they kind of hold up. Well, and even when you get into like other other albums like uh, Octung Baby, 
Uh, that was when they really changed their sound. Yeah. And, I mean, even, KMFDM even fucking covered them. Yeah. Mysterious ways. They, they did a great uh, job. Yeah, they did. Um, it's... I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I've, got a, I've got a mixed love-hate thing going on with them. <laughs> yeah, I... I I don't know. I'm like, with you. What is it like? The first one was boy, and then was war. October, and then war. Okay, October I wasn't that crazy about. War was good. What came after war? Was that Joshua Tree? Mm, no, after no. war was under a blood red sky. Okay, that was good. No, after yep. war was the unforgettable fire. Uh, you're right, which was a short was one, and then under the blood red sky, which uh, was, then was recorded Joshua at Red Tree. Rocks in Colorado. Red Rocks oh. in Colorado was one of the hints. Oh, Joshua Tree is when they went down for me. I never liked that album. Well, that's you know why. I thought with or without you was a fucking. Do you bird. like Brian Eno? Ah, uh, there you go. That's when Brian Eno came into the game. Oh, okay. Uh, they got a hold of Brian Eno and Daniel Lenoy. Yeah, as producers at that point in time. I and used to watch this show on OPB called Globe Tra- uh, Globe Trekker. Yeah, and I remember used, that show. Um, where the streets have no name, or I think it was that one, or still have one I'm looking for. One of those two. Okay. As the intro, and you know that was one of those things where it's just like you, you, you it starts sucking you in, sucking you in, sucking you in. Now I want to watch the show. Yeah. You know, it's just that was a way that just you you never think about. You know, okay, their song is now used as an intro for OPB. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I never thought that I would find myself here. I'm okay with it, oddly enough, because it fits. It yeah. fits the theme of the show. Yeah. But you just... television show. <laughs> I mean, it goes down to the anthem of, you know, along with uh, the Cheers theme, and <laughs> you're like, you are the opening. You're opening a yeah. television series. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, like, starting with Joshua Tree, they became, like, sort of a greatest hits only band for me. Like, a, you know, what the Batman theme, I loved the Batman theme that they did, whatever movie that was. Um, you know, but it was just, like, a song here or there that I was down with. I, I didn't like a whole album. That's where it got to with me, too, but I realized that I didn't really listen to any of those albums either because I had followed along pretty diehardly until Rattle and Hum. And Rattle and Hum was kind of oh, like they didn't you, write an album. Like, they totally the phoned it in. Yeah. And and it just, I don't know. And then Actung Baby was so different that it just, it wasn't me anymore. Well, that was their right. thing, was like, let's reinvent our style. They every, did. Th- mm-hmm. Every, like, four or five albums. Isn't that where he started wearing all the sunglasses and everything? Well, no, the, the, the those sun, were costumes. The big sunglasses. That was a costume. The, the yeah. leather garb and the big fly sunglasses was called The Fly. That was a costume. He had another one, and they actually would open well, the band. They huge TV screens. Oddly like. enough, the only person that ever got those sunglasses off his head in the public interview was the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> the Pope wore him. <laughs> so there's a picture of Bono with no sunglasses on, and the Pope wearing them. And the guys just got. Uh, do you? You've got an audience with the Pope. Do you tell him no? No, you don't. Uh, yeah, no. You got to take your sunglasses off with the Pope. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. I think he claims required. now that he's got some sort of uh, eye thing like glaucoma or whatever that requires him to wear some sort of tinted glasses. He doesn't do the sunglasses anymore, but he's always got the light purple tinted glasses or something. He does. Well, apparently he has some retina thing. Yeah, some sort of... Light allergy of some sort, and it makes his eyes red all the time, and it kind of covers it up, and so he just... Yeah. That's, that's the story. And then he's stuck with it long enough, then I'll, I'll take it. I don't. I didn't look up his medical records or anything. I'll say, you know, like, as far as him being uh, a bad pseudonym picker, uh, 
He is definitely a bad pseudonym. I do actually admire his efforts intellectually to do things like, you know, have an audience with the Pope and, you know, see what's out there and uh, his friendship with uh, Jesse Helms. Uh, I thought that was all like really pretty amazing that he yes. like reached out and like went outside of his. Well, he even went so far as to go to the safety, G- he, safety zone. He yeah. even went so far as to go to the G8 and try to get an audience with the Canadian Prime Minister. Yeah. The dude kept shutting him down, but yeah. I mean, he's trying to go out and whether or not he's successful or whether or not it's just all fake, I don't know. I don't care. But the fact of the matter is that he is actually trying to use influence. To get audiences with people and do things that are, I don't know if he's trying to stroke his own ego, look at what I can do, I'm so powerful I can do this, or if he's actually trying to make a difference. I have an answer to that. And it's not just him, it's mm-hmm. all of them. Mm-hmm. The whole band donates large amounts of money to, and to lots of causes. Some of the ones that were listed on their website were Amnesty International, Chernobyl Children's Project, Free Burma, Greenpeace, One, and Red, Others, lots of others mm-hmm. as well. Those are just some of the better known ones. But... In essence, early in their days, like before their second or third album, they were part of a fanatic Christian group called Shalom, which I thought was an ironic name for a Christian (laughs) group. But anyway, they really kind of struggled at that point in time with their relationship with rock and roll and their religion. And and that's three of them. Uh, Clayton is the only one listed as not necessarily diehard Christian. The other three are. Yeah. And so what they're doing is they are using, they're following their belief system in what I believe to be one of the best ways that they are trying to help. They are actually out there trying to use their influence to do good things. But there's also been so many instances of um, misappropriation of funds within their charities. That happens in charities. It does. 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 That's standard in charities. But one of of those specific charities you just mentioned, uh, I believe it was the one, um, or Red or something like that. Which one was it? I don't remember. Red and one. I listed okay. both of them. Um, it was the one that was built around the AIDS, about AIDS. That's red. Okay. Uh, 1.2% of the donations actually went out to help. It uh, was yeah. it, it was and listed as a certain amount of the gross proceeds from the products that yeah. were sold. And the and, products and, were you know, made I get by it. all you, different you, You've got to pay people. You've got you've to do right. certain things within a charity to get them. Yeah, I don't, you, I don't get into hearing percentages until I... It, it's like, what's the profit? Yeah, what, what is the dollar amount? Of the, of the profit? 112,000 pounds went. It's going to. 112,000 yeah, no, pounds I mean, actually went out to charity. So it's, you know. indefensible. What, one point? One point. But let's get real. These guys pounds. aren't exactly running these charities hands no. on. No, they are. Just no, they, they definitely are. Support there was one actually that The Edge did for the for Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. where he raised money to replace and donated a lot of money and time to replace music instruments for children who's lost their musical instruments in the hurricane which I thought was a very that's kind of cool precise yeah. and pinpointed yeah. but I could see as a kid how much my saxophone meant to me mm-hmm. and if it would been taken away from me along with my house and everything else like somebody helping me have another one would would yeah. be a game changer. You, That's pretty even, fucking even awesome. At, I like it. You know, and he he can call up, uh, God Yamaha, and say, "Can I have five hundred acoustic guitars?" Right. And this is my name, and can I get a discount? And they're going to get a healthy discount. And five hundred guitars would go a hell of a long way in keeping somebody real fucking happy. It was a pretty cool. I thought it was a neat charity to run across. Yeah. That one actually. I wish I'd written down. That, I may have written see, and that's that's better than handing out money. It is. The money is a temporary mm-hmm. fix. If you if you give aid to something, it's a temporary fix. It's a short term. Like oh, here's a band aid on your problem. But if you give somebody a thing that's going to last them a lifetime, 
here's here's that guitar. I've and you know later on down the line, that person may be inclined to help. May, that person may be inclined to do something else because here's this guitar I got when that I person was, may make dinner on the street corner with it too. Who knows? Say yeah. if you give a child a dollar, you fed him for a day. But if you give a child a guitar, he, he can feed the evil Volkswagen for a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, or he can panhandle on the street corner and get a dollar a day. I, I mean, I, I don't. You know, all charities have some problem. I can't. You know, they do. They do. You know, they, they gave to Greenpeace. I mean, Greenpeace had Lonnie Riefenstahl on the board for like a decade. And it's called tourist activism now. It really kind of is the tourist activist group, and and there is all of that to it. But they are still out there doing something. At least they're doing fucking something. Yeah. I, from from word go, they were always. They, they had a message to send. Look at this, look at that, look at this, look at that. Hey, everybody, pay attention to something. Pay attention. You know, I don't... Yeah, I, I mean, they're they a lot like Kiss in that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kiss would pay attention to me. <laughs> or Gene Simmons is pay attention to my tongue. He is a lot about pay attention to me. They all are. But anyhow, so yeah, I, I would give them points for, for A, sticking with their religion the way that they do. And be doing good with with their beliefs and following their dreams and trying to help out. And no, they're not giving all their fucking money away. Nor should they. No. no. There, there was another one that I was reading in here about the the way that they somebody got pissed off that they moved their money from Ireland over to the Netherlands for a better tax rate. Yes. And oh, it's like, oh, please. for fuck's sake, oh, come on. Which who among us isn't going to try to do everything we can to minimize our, our tax losses? exposure? I mean, who who among us is not going to do that? If there's a deduction or if there's a way to handle money, you're going to do it. And if you're talking about the kind of money that these fuckers generate, you're going to do everything you can to do so. Well, not to mention, I don't even think Bono lives in Ireland anymore. I believe he lives in the States. Listening to recent interviews, like I, I listened to a couple of them, he really, his Irish accent is going away. Kind he of really is. is starting to sound like an American. Sounds a little bit like, yeah. He really is starting to get the American <laughs> English accent. Yeah. And, and it's, so, I mean, like, of course you're, and all that money was made globally in the first fucking place. Yeah, so they're paying taxes in multiple different venues. Not just Ireland. Not just, you know, they make money in all kinds of different ways. So they have to pay taxes in all kinds of different ways. Yes. It's not just, oh, okay, well, all the money comes back here to Ireland. Oh, uh. And, you know, lately, well, never mind, we're going to get into Ireland on that, and I'm going to go off on tax shit and bore you, so let's not do that. <laughs> talking about offshoring corporate profits. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, repatriate, uh, re- repatriating the fund. funds. Yeah. yeah. So here's yeah. another reason I believe that it is their actual personal drive to continue doing well or doing good for the world, is if you look at their really early albums before they became multimillionaires and and global farm global fame stars they were very heavy into their their message sunday yeah. bloody sunday which mm-hmm. the, one of the, the so. facebook hint picture and it was also on twitter was a photograph from sunday bloody sunday which was a terrifying event where 23 fucking people were shot unarmed while trying to help each other some of them by the british government and they were very active at that point in time the way that they could. And yes, they started doing what a lot of people do when they get more money. They started putting money at the problem. Yeah. You know, if you have, once you have money, you have more options. Yes. And oftentimes, it's easier to throw money at the problem that other people come up with the best options for it. 
Exactly. You know, you can hire troubleshooters. You can hire people that are going to do certain things. Money is a wonderful equalizer. It is that way. I would agree. So that's another reason that I kind of felt that they were they were doing their their right thing. So, uh, what else do I have here that we want to do before I get into each of them? Because I got I got a grip of stuff on each of them. <laughs> few more album releases. There was the Zoo TV tour. That's at Zoo TV. Yes. They start doing the giant screens. And giant screens. Uh, it was one of the largest glasses. tour productions ever at that oh, point. Yeah, it was so annoying. It was, so annoying. It was very it was overdone, so and that's where they started getting kind of that the, the, that yeah, reputation yeah. of overselling. Yeah, it was a little bit ridiculous. They had just gotten full I remember when Martin came out with their brand new intelligent headlighting, and this was like the shit. I mean, it was just crazy. It's like $5,500 per head. And these fuckers had something in the neighborhood of 300 of them. Wouldn't surprise me at all. It's like... It was a monster, monster yeah. setup. So, uh, another thing they did, they were the fourth band to be featured on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah, I can believe it. Which is kind of cool. I mean, they, they, I remember the Beatles were one of them. I think Dylan was one. I've forgotten. I didn't write it all down. You, you can look it up really quickly if you Sinatra want. Sinatra wasn't one? No. Seems like Sinatra should have been one. No. And maybe that was just yeah. band. Maybe I'm not correct about the, the Dylan thing. But they were the fourth band ever on cover of Time magazine. Got him. Well, I'm work. I'm working on it. <laughs> We're dealing with DSL. Well, here, we'll dude. come back to that. Yeah. Um, the internet's been super hinky here lately. Maybe time for a new router. Anyway, uh, in 2004. Uh, their fan site two th- said 2005, either way. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by none other than Bruce Springsteen. This is the same year they released How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb, as well as that cool-looking red and black iPod that I didn't buy, but I almost did. And then it was, what, two years later, oh eight, I believe, when they released the iP- when they forced everybody who had an iPod to have the album, which people really didn't like. Like, here's a free album. People got really upset. Actually, yes. both Time and Bono have been on the cover of Time. What year was that? Or U2. That they did that? Oh, 08. Oh, okay. Yeah. People got really angry. Because they did it. I mean, I had to get it with this. I got an iPhone 6 or something here, and it came on this. Yeah. You know, their, their latest album came loaded on this phone, and it was like... That it was it was on everything. I listened to it and it was like not. It was impressive. not wonderful. Sinatra's yeah. been on there. Springsteen twice. Yeah, I couldn't believe Sinatra. Um, both U two and Bono. Okay, but bands. Let's do um, the Beatles. Yeah. The U2, band. The band. There you go. The band. Uh, the band. There's a band I never understood. Well, at least the name I never really got. I never. I mean, they had a. It's just like an all star lineup thing. I mean, they had a few good songs. So what? The Who. Okay, there it is. That's the four. The Who, the band, the Beatles, and U2. Everybody else was a solo artist at that point in time. Then 2006, they won five more Grammys on top of all the ones they had won before and pushed them to the highest number of any band ever with 22 total Grammys. Fuck. 22 Grammys. That's crazy. But they started in. They started releasing their first album. It was in 1980. So that's yeah. It's 27, 37 years. Here I go with that math shit again. I should yeah, in terms better. of like band longevity, I mean they're up there. Yeah, with yeah. Like, you know, I, I I don't know. I'd be surprised if they weren't in the. top... I think they would probably be in the top ten, right? 
Maybe it, the top five. Possibly. Yeah. And they're they're still viable. Yeah. And and okay, maybe not music I'm they've, listening well, to now, but they've they've kept their brand relevant. Is yes. the thing. Is I mean they uh, they, they understood. Yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They are relevant to people. I mean. People still buy. They, we're doing we're doing a podcast on them right now. They bring on new listeners, whereas mm-hmm. I'm not sure that the Stones do. No, no, I don't think they do. I think the Stones is just like they they just got their fans, their, their new fans coming in, dropped off around 1980 or something. Yeah, so there wasn't too recent history that they've been not selling out shows. Like, and the Stones are not selling out a show. Something's yeah. a little strange, but it's because their fan base is dying off. And they're not viable, whereas U2 is still selling out huge arenas throughout the world. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you, t- you touched on something just there where uh, it's exposure to new listeners. And yeah. when they when they did that whole thing with the Apple, I- Apple product, mm-hmm. where, here, here's our album. It pissed off a lot of fucking people. It really did. And Bono's response to it was, you know, all that, all we wanted to do was maybe get somebody who maybe doesn't normally listen to us to check us out. You and know? we gave you a free album. Yeah, here you go. You know, yeah. it, it was a little <laughs> intrusive to wake up one day and have your... Have and a, have, have a bunch of storage disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. But by the same token, it's like, you know, we just want to expose people to different music. You know, and if you got somebody who's in, and the quote he was like, um, the the hip hop people from East LA to um, the people in Dubai, you woke up one morning and everybody in Apple had a new album. And yep. go ahead, listen to it. If you want to delete it, go right ahead. Huh. You don't need to. You don't need to. But it's there. Five hundred million people. Yep. Got the album "Songs of Innocence" through yep. iTunes. Five hundred million people got a free album. As and I agree. I was upset because my storage went disappeared, and I didn't want a YouTube album taking up my storage. I was listening to other things, like honestly, podcasts. At that yeah, one. right. <laughs> you know, when you say five hundred million, million people, I can't decide if you sound like Mini Me or Carl Sagan. <laughs> wow. Uh, one yeah. one billion. One more backhanded ears from Rupert. <laughs> so the members, Larry Mullins Jr., the drummer, who, I, listening back, pretty fucking good drummer, honestly. Born October thirty first, Halloween, nineteen sixty one. He's the father of three, named Aaron Elvis, Ava, and Ezra. I don't know why Aaron Elvis got both names in the listing I saw, but probably because his middle name is Elvis. He keeps most of his family out of the limelight, and after being with his partner for 30 years, so apparently they're not actually married, successfully so, he is credited with starting the band. He added the junior to his name when he started making money as a musician, and his dad got some of the early tax bills. Wow. Right. Same thing. I thought you both would appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, there's a little story that happened yeah. to me too. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you started getting money and your dad got tax bills, and so you had to like tack a junior onto your name or something? Because you do have your dad's name. No, it's like I, I got a car and he started getting tickets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Noah, that's enough. So, yeah, I thought that was a clever little bit. Uh, he started playing drums in 1971 after quitting piano. His sister bought him his first drum kit in 73. And 1978, he, by 1978, he had lost a sister and his mother. He left school after his mother's death in 1978. 
So early in the band, or early with the band, he had an actual job and had to miss some gigs and some photo shoots. He had a friend that resembled him that he got to stand in at photo shoots and knew a drummer that could emulate his style well enough to pass at a gig here and there. Rupert, the tea's in the bucket in the fridge if you want. There's more on the porch being made. So anyhow, he had his his buddy stand in, one of them stand in during photo shoots. So if you see early, early pictures of the band, it may not actually be Larry Mullins Jr., Okay. And and some of the real early shows were not him either. It was just a buddy that would come play for him because he had to work. Here's one thing I really liked, though. Uh, he regularly flies to Germany for literal shots of bull blood that apparently keep his spine from suffering in the way it has for years. Bull blood injections as a medical treatment. And everywhere I looked, it just said bull blood. It didn't say, like, platelets or, like, it just straight up <laughs> syringe of bull blood. Bono bull blood. No, uh, this or, is Larry Mullins Jr. Okay. And he goes to Germany because it's not legal in Ireland or anywhere else. And like, the Germans, ah, we put this in you, we make you better. Right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> they do kind of crazy things like that periodically. Uh, he's described his playing style as passion-based and not really method-based. He's been known to joke that the band is actually called the Larry Mullen Band. And he's been known to do at least part of the tours on his Harley, including over 10,000 miles during the Zoo TV tour. That's kind of cool. Right? Who's that? Larry Mullins Jr., the drummer we're still in. Did you catch the bull blood thing while you are out of the room? Oh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Injections of bull blood to keep his spine from falling apart. All right. Okay. So that's Larry Mullins Jr. You found anything on that bull blood thing? It just says bull blood all, everywhere, right? Uh, next one I wrote down was Bono, the lead singer, born Paul Hewson. We did his names uh, in May 10th, 1960. <laughs> I still like the Stein, Hegvin, Hoisin, selling old bang, bang, bang one. Just fucking great. Uh... He was born into a divided family of an Irish Protestant and a Catholic. Mom was Protestant, Dad was Catholic. Sunday, bloody Sunday. Right. <laughs> uh, might have been where some of his attachment came. And actually, that's that's part of the reason he was group of, or part of the Shalom group is that they were trying to break down the the cultural divide that was very dangerous at that point in time. Yeah. Like, well, and uh, I, I mean, mean it's, it's still, still not beautiful. No. Yeah. But but it's way better than it used to be. You know, the IRA isn't bombing cars every week anymore. Well, that's because they can't keep up with every other terrorist organism. Yeah, there is that. I mean, even if even if they're still active, the fact is that you know there's so many other terrorist organizations actually actively doing nasty shit to people that. It's like, okay, what's another one? Ireland's handled a lot of that shit, though. They've gotten better. Sort, not of, sort of like the Stones used to be. They're not as big as they are. <laughs> <laughs> sort of like the Stones aren't as big as they used to be. Yeah, just, they killed off their fan populace. They're just not, they're just not the thing. Wow, so uh, Bono got the Shi and Sunni household going there. Yeah. Wow. So in 1971 wow. or 72-ish, it's really? reported that he... Went there. I won't okay. care. That he tossed dog shit at a Spanish teacher... 
uh, getting him expelled from that school where he did much, or, and then he went into another school, and he did much better at the other school. It was one of Ireland's first non-secular schools, so the first one was, I don't remember if it was Protestant or Catholic, but it was not non-secular, and he got all flamed and threw dog shit at a teacher. <laughs> threw him out. And that was good, too. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty pissed off, right? Well, <laughs> just a ima- Okay, in South Central, that would have been bullets, but, you know, it's... Yeah, right? Yeah, wow. Just So, Mom died when she was 14 of a brain hemorrhage. Uh, she had the funeral of her own... Or, she had, during the funeral, of her own father. So, like, she was... They were at Grandpa's funeral. And right there, Mom has a brain hemorrhage and dies. That's well, kind of crazy. At least you got... At least nobody has to fly in again for the funeral. Right, they're already there. Yeah. Just, like, let's whip this one around, grab another casket, slide it in. Yeah. But... That's that's intense shit. It's kind of like a sushi belt. He then lived with his dad, and they didn't get along. He claims that his dad was... Uh, his dad's favorite saying was, to dream is to be disappointed. And he, and he used that as part of his drive to succeed. To dream wow, is that to be sounds dis- like a peppy fellow. He's a real upper. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Captain, come down there. Huh. To dream is to be disappointed. What a dick, right? Well, this is in Ireland, after all. I mean... It is. They can be a somewhat gloomy lot. And they can. Yeah. They can. Guinness and fog goes a long way. If you wake up every day and you're happy you have a potato, okay? Yeah. It's really easy. Yeah. I mean, with the bars here. Yeah. Again, (laughs) it is a low bar to get over, admittedly. But still, that's still really downer. Uh, he started his, he started dating his wife, who's still his wife in 1976. Bono's been married the whole time to the same person. Crazy, right? Wow. You never know. Again, he must have a really good prenup. Well, all of them, <laughs> or a good relationship. Well, you notice that Larry Mullins Jr. has been in a 30-year relationship too. I don't know. Maybe that speaks to having a bad prenup. Oh yeah, like right. I can't get out. <laughs> there. I can't get out at all. Yeah. But that's that's pretty impressive. Again, obviously keeping his family out of the out of the limelight. Well, but that that also does tell that, you know, your, your traditional quote unquote Christian values. I mean, who right. knows if they actually have a good relationship? There is. It could just be that they're both so invested in their re- religion that getting a divorce is fucking is sin. And I'm, yeah, it just doesn't exist. Well, and let's face it. How hard is it really to have a good relationship if you're a rock star because, like, you're on tour six months out of the year? Right. So you're not looking at this person's face for six months Well, that doesn't help year. communication at all, though. When you're gone for six months a year... Yeah, but a black card to... can go a long way to keep people happy. There is that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at those guys out on the golf course. They're escaping. Yeah. I bet you got some strong marriages there. And it's not—it's not like you know. I mean, this guy is so in the news that if he was ever getting caught doing having an affair, we'd know about it. Yeah, I mean, it would also yeah, it would also like uh, hurt his image a lot more than a lot of other rock stars. It would. Yeah, yeah. it would kill it because they have been very very clean over their whole lives. I mean, like, yeah. not wrecking hotel rooms, not stooping girls behind stage. Any oh, of that. Ever, have you ever seen their tour writers? Their what? Their tour writers? No. Oh dear! Tour writers. The tour writer, the the list of requests that they have as part of a tour. A writer. The writer. Yeah. Uh. R i d e r. One case of Rolling Rock or a local domestic bottled beer. Four cases of Heineken. One half case Guinness Stout. One fifth Cuervo Tequila. One fifth Stoli or Absolute. One fifth Jack Daniel's Black. Two fifths Moet. 
three very good French white Chardonnays, three very good French red Bordeaux, two uh, Moton Cadet, uh, Cadet, Cadet, whatever, uh, red wines, two Jacob's Creek or Black Opal Australian white so wines, and one medium, yeah, so quality, kind of yeah. one medium quality port or sherry, i.e. Sandivan. I, I imagine that's just so they have whatever they want. They don't no, that, possibly that, that was drink the all of that. Yeah, they don't possibly drink all of that. They weren't talking. You noticed there was no mention of food, as there are in a lot of other writers. Well, um, the Food Fighters, by extent, you know, by comparison, Monday shows only. They want four DVDs used as acceptable. One action, no carrot top. Larry the Cable Guy, <laughs> and we do love sharks with lasers. <laughs> Tuesdays they want T-shirts. Wednesdays. Two packs of single-serve uh, assorted cereals. <laughs> I like the Foo Fighters even less all of a sudden. Yeah, um, there's, n- act- there's actually well, that- nothing you can hear in a yeah. tour rider that's going to bump up your impression of a band. That's probably yeah. true. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to hear? Um, okay, well, let's, let's touch on a favorite that we've actually done a podcast about, which is Nine Inch Nails. I bet it's awful. It might be. Very large selection of washed, uncut vegetables, beets, carrots, celery, spinach okay, for the juicer. Yeah, I can't, I can't do any more of this. I can't do any more of this. Large selection of fruits, pineapples, oranges, bananas, pears, strawberries, grapes, and apples for the juicer. Again, Put the all juicer. fruits and veggies in juicer, or for, for the juicer in a bus tub. Leave space for band's juicer. You know what? If you had read me that list without identifying the band, I would have said that was Sinead O'Connor. They're, no, one no. of Nine Nails' first two writers. She's having a hard he time. He wanted cornstarch so. so that he could bathe himself in it. Now he wants a juicer. Okay, so anyway, you uh, two just want booze. Bono and his wife have well, four kids Irish. named Jordan, Memphis, Eve, Elijah, Bob, and Guji. Uh, Guji is the name of a, the nickname of one of his early friends, and John. His yes. front, his front man persona came out. As early as he used to walk out on tables, kissing people's girlfriends and drinking their wine. Uh, the fly, the all other guy. And then the other character that I caught that I really liked was a Mirrorball Man or Macfisto. And uh, basically, they, they would supposedly open for themselves at a band or at a show here and there as a country band with this persona on. Uh, apparently, he wrote the novel that inspired the movie, or the story that inspired the movie Million Dollar Hotel, which he also had a small role in. He has written a number of forewords, as well as the 1998 Pocket Psalm, or Pocket Psalms, and his 2007 On the Move. In 07, he also received an honorary knightship. He can't actually be knighted because he's Irish and fucking British royalty and all, and so, but he has an honorary knightship. He is the only person to be nominated for an Oscar a Grammy, a Golden Globe, and a Nobel Prize. Hmm. Those are some decent achievements. That doesn't say he won all of those. But he was he was nominated for all of those. You know, you, you get back to the point where are you doing something because you're trying to do something right or are you trying to do it for notoriety? Accolade. Those aren't yeah. accolades, but they were done through work that he was releasing. It wasn't like he and asked to be nominated. Quite honestly, whatever your personal motives are, is it still getting the job done? Yeah. Did did, did the means justify the ends? 
I mean, you, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're if you're doing good things, and you you would like to feel good about doing good things. I mean, let's face it, you don't do good things because you want to feel bad about it later. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you do good things because you want to feel good about helping somebody out, and if they like to. Do all of this feel stuff. happy because somebody pays attention to him? Fuck whatever. I don't care. You still do something good. So Adam Clayton, the bass player, born March thirteenth, nineteen sixty. He spent part of his youth chasing his pilot dad, including living in Nairobi. Right. Already a varied background a little bit. He also started on piano, then moved to guitar, then eventually bass. All of this was before he was tossed from school for poor grades at 16 years old. He really couldn't play the bass when he auditioned for the band, but he had style and charisma, so they kept him. Again, hearkening back to there, we noticed that it's energy and passion that's going to sell the music, not necessarily our high-quality musicianship. It turned to reverb. Right. It's weird, though. I never, I have never noticed... Any particularly exciting bass action going on? Yeah, he's he's he was a reasonable bass player. Maybe but he's not mysterious phenomenal. ways, but I really like I really like uh, Larry Mullins Jr. the drummer as a yeah. drummer. I think he really does a good job. Yeah, you you were just mentioning that earlier. Yeah. you know, you, going back to the albums, you you get a different appreciation for what you were hearing, and yeah. of course, you know, your ear changes over the years. Right there is that. You know, whatever you choose to appreciate. I mean, fuck. You, you go through certain times of your life where it's like, give me that guitar. Other yeah. times it's like, give me the bass. Yeah. You know, it's like, whatever. But, you know, the older you get, the more, well, and you especially, because you have more of a musical background than a lot of people do, you appreciate different things that happen within bands. I mean, so kind a of certain w- talent shows through. I really, yeah. I really do impress them. But, but yeah, Adam Clayton is a bass player. He's, he's not bad, but he's not, he doesn't break my heart. He doesn't bring me in anything. It's just a bass part most of the time. And some of that must be the songwriting. Some of that's probably where he likes to sit as a bass player. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was the original manager uh, because he field call, fielded calls and shit. That's that's what being a manager was when they first started, of course. So he was the one that actually had a phone. Uh, you must have. Well, it was <laughs> the house, other ones just house, didn't have a phone. It was a house phone, you know. But, yeah, but seriously, exactly. <coughs> Uh, in 89, he was busted for a small amount of weed, as happens to musicians. He got off the 25,000-pound donation to a woman's refugee center. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of fucking shit is that? What is that? <laughs> you're busted with weed, Th- but if you donate a bunch of money to the women's refugee center, you're good. Think about this, though. I had to pay 20,000 pounds for five pounds with a weed. <laughs> All right. I mean, it is. Yeah. I understand the punishment, but the money, like, drug treatment center, I could see, or some, but, like, women's facility for weed bust, I don't understand. Yeah. Well, we I mean, do that, actually. We have a whole controversy going on where, where, like, for years, we've been busting corporations for this or that infringement, like some sort of tax thing or something like that. And then the the Justice Department was going up to them and saying, like, look, if you make a contribution in this to a favored charity, we will drop charges. And it's actually a huge scandal, because this has been going on for some time. The, the, the government has been doing that, and they've just been, like, jacking companies, you know, because you can always get a company on something. 
some yeah. tax question, an OSHA violation. There's blah, always a, blah, something blah. that was missed somewhere. There's always yep. something, especially in a large corporation, and you're just like, you know, we want to fund this organization, but we can't, so we, do, we jack these guys and make them give them the money. And that's been going on. Okay. So I don't know. I can kind of see that. It's kind of a common thing. It just, it was a funny connection. Not that I disagree with the Women's Refugee Center. No, I do disagree with the weed bust, but that's a whole different thing. You'd expect, like, okay, you need to make this donation to this addiction center. Right. That's exactly that what would I make sense. That, that makes sense. That made yes. a direct crossover sense right. to me. But and so it was a weird connection. I'm definitely not opposed to the women's refugee center. Right. I am opposed to the weed thing. But either way. Well, and you know, quite frankly, with some of these guys, the only way that you can actually, the, the, they don't have a problem with tying things up in litigation forever because they don't want to go to jail. However, you can also hit them in the pocketbook, which seems to be the case for a lot of these people. Where it's like, okay, well, yeah. 20,000 pounds, however, when, I, I don't know when this was. What was it? When was it? I didn't write it down. Okay, well, if it's early on in their career, that might have an impact on them. 20,000 yeah. pounds right now, that's a weekend shopping, shopping trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a, that, that, that's a Friday afternoon. That's not even a full weekend. <laughs> Bono spends more than that on his fucking sunglasses. Right. <laughs> so they recorded Joshua Tree, or much of it, in a house. It was vacant at the time because it had neat acoustics. He later purchased that house and owns it today. I would do something. Adam Clayton like Powell did. Adam Clayton, yes, oh. bought it. He also purchased, or no, uh, during the Zoo TV tour, he suffered a relapse and actually missed a show. He cleaned right the fuck back up. He a had, relapse of marijuana addiction. No, like serious alcoholism and pills is what it looked oh. like. And and he's bounced back, and I mean there was there was some struggle with the well, band trying to keep him sober for quite a while. He, yeah, he's the one that had the the back problems, wasn't he? No, 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 no. no that was the last one. That was the last one yeah. with the bull's blood things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Larry Mullins Jr. That's awesome. Well, quite, quite frankly, though, I mean they're getting older. But yeah, you know, they aren't young. I I wake up and it's like, okay, do I have to take a leave today? That that actually is is a thought process. Yeah. How and, much how much of my body hurts? Yeah. So that's what I got on Adam Clayton, Doctor the Edge. Doctor the Edge. Born David Howell Evans, August eighth, nineteen sixty one. He was given a honorary doctorate at one point in time, oh. and it, although it's just an honorary doctorate, I just think Doctor the Edge sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to throw it in here at least once. <laughs> so yeah, Doctor the Edge. He was actually rebaptized as the Edge by Bono. In their early days, Bono rebaptized really, David yeah, Howell Evans as the Edge. That's it. Just made it slightly less cool, didn't it? It did. I, I think it's about <laughs> like reading their tour rider, but yeah, it's a little lame. Yeah, it's kind of fascinating though. I believe that factoid actually came from their website. Hmm. Uh, that was pretty good. The name referred well, I mean, you, to... You're ordained. You can baptize people. Yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, I can. I can marry you and bury you. You're ordained as well, aren't you, Rupert? No. Oh, you aren't? I've thought about it. It's, it's 20 bucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Let's just add that credential in there, too. Yeah. I'm vaccinated against Black Plague. <laughs> There are so many things. Which means you don't have to participate in Ash Wednesday. Because you're good. I'm good. Awesome. 
How's that? They should. They actually had a menu down at the health department for that. Black Plague. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're traveling to, you know. Oh my God. Yeah. If you're traveling to like you know foreign countries, you know, with a lot of short people, you got to have some vaccines and stuff to go. And so I went down to the county health to get those vaccines, and she's just like, "Well, would you like anything else?" And I was like. I didn't really know that this worked in this manner. And she's like, well, sure, I mean... It's like you're ordering off of a Sherry's menu. Yeah, right, it is. <laughs> exactly, it is. And it I was, like some it was rubella, like a little... It was like, like a Chinese packs, menu. They, I like some fucking... Can I get a side of tetanus? Some bubonic. Well, because the, it's, it's a curious thing. If you're traveling internationally... <laughs> Even though I thought that was funny. <laughs> absolutely the only vaccination they can require is yellow fever. It is illegal, according to international law, to require vaccination beyond that. And so uh, I was required to get yellow fever, but she was like, well, you, and I was like, well, I don't know. What you, are you advising me or are you trying to well, we got sell this, me? This one quart jar over here with a depressor on it yeah. and a needle on the other end. We could just fill that fucker right up. Actually, it was like the thing behind the bar with all the buttons. You got gin, tonic, you know. <laughs> it was about like, like the old school cigarette machines. Yeah, and I was like, you know, what, what else should I get? And she was like, oh, you might want to get some hepatitis. And I was like, yeah, okay, line me up for that. And I was like, what else? And she's like, oh, here we got all that. And I was like, oh, my God. Bubonic plague is just like 50 bucks. And she's like, yeah, there's no plague down there. And I was like, no, I just want to say I have it. And she's like, that's worth $50 to you? And I was like, you better believe it. Oh. She's like, all right, here's your plague vaccination. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. You're fucking nuts. <laughs> so the name The Edge referred to his sharp facial features and his mathematical mind. He was first married in 1982 and had three daughters during the seven-year relationship. Holly... Aaron, A-R-R-A-N, kind of a cool name. How did do that when he was touring? I don't know, but the last one's named Blue Angel. After like, the, like the military airplanes. flight crew? I don't think it's after them, but but oh. like looking, he was he was the most religious of them all, apparently. That's enough. And he's had a divorce? Yeah, well, well you know, but his daughter, his youngest daughter's named Blue Angel. Uh, his second marriage brought... Cyan and son Levi, daughter Cyan and son Levi. So he's up to five kids now. And he really likes blue. Apparently. Yeah. Cyan? C Y A N? No, S I A N, Cyan. Not C Y A N, Cyan. Not C M Y K, Cyan. S I A N, yes. I think that's Sean. C N? It's a daughter. I don't know. S I A N, like S I. I can't. F- is pronounced S A. We do this with pronunciation. S I A N. Like. Either way. Like Siobhan. I was thinking like Siam. Like Siobhan is spelled S I O B A H N. Yes, which is one of the most screwed up names ever. That one drives me. Hey, insane. don't make fun of my people, man. <laughs> you, you're gonna go it's Welsh. there. It's Welsh. It's Sean. It's Sean. Yeah. yeah okay. Sean. It's it's Welsh. There you go. Wow. Why is an Irish gay guy giving his, his daughter a Welsh name? Maybe wife was Irish. Oh, please. Welsh? They're both outcasts in Britain. It, it's all it's all black like me. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah. You guys had to rely on the Mick for that pronunciation. What <laughs> <laughs> <And> is <it's> that? <laughs> also known as the gay one. He is... The <laughs> gay, gay leprechaun over here. <laughs> he is noted for his. You know, when you show up in a fucking green top hat, <laughs> you're never gonna live that down. Yeah, that's gonna happen. I got one, I got a cheap black plastic one we could paint over there. 
magically uh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old. We are. He has noticed. I'm just thinking that's the next tagline on one of your products on your website. <laughs> it's magically delicious. <laughs> He's noted for his very minimalist approach and style to modern guitar playing. I don't know if anybody saw it. May Get Loud, which is a great documentary on rock and roll guitar players. But That's they the one with him, Jimmy, Jimmy Page, Page, and Jack and White. Jack White, yes. They picked one from the 70s, one from the 80s, and one from the 90s. The so 70s being Yeah, I actually like have some like extreme disagreement with that documentary. Really? Yeah, because in that documentary, um, The Edge... Uh, Claims to have invented the entire process of playing uh, with a pedal, playing back against a uh, rever uh, a delay unit. Brian May was doing it in the seventies, early seventies. Uh, you know, Pink Floyd was doing it forever. Yes. Um, everybody did it. You know, the the biggest, the most obvious example is Pink Floyd's "One of These Days," where Roger Waters does it with the bass. You know, and he does that, and the Edge basically, for a very long segment, goes on to say that he's invented this technique, and it's not true. He didn't invent it. Like you said, he invented it. I think he said he brought it into a limelight, but I still kind of disagree with that. I think that there were plenty of bands doing it before. Like I said, Brian May, one of my favorite guitar player of all time. It's like the Edge combined a few styles that worked very well for him. He popularized them beyond. Uh, most other people, uh, but I don't think he singularly invented them because, like you know, his... no, I think he fell back on them, frankly. Yeah, his... I think it prevented him from progressing as a as an actual talented musician, tr- and it made it just easier to play stroke a string, let it play through some pedals, stroke the same string again. I don't. I think it was a cop out more than anything. Well, his but he gets this confusing sound using it. It's not entirely rhythmic, like um, if you listen to like "I Will Follow" uh, is a good example. Like he's doing it there. But if you listen to that, he's actually copying, um, and he's, he's, he has given some credit uh, to Keith Levine um, for this technique of the sort of noise, like, like if you think of, I, I mean, it's, it's an old song, but um, if you think of the beginning of I Will Follow, mm-hmm. right, and then you think of Keith Levine paying, playing the beginning of Public Image, the song Public Image. Yep. You never listen to a word I'm saying. Um, I, think of those two songs, and it's very similar. And Keith Levine's, like, you know, use of the whole... I can kind of see that. It's been a while since I listened. I just listened to I Will Follow. It's been a while since I had P.I.L. Okay, if you listen to it, it's the same technique of this noisy, uh, high-pitched stuff, which Keith but Levine I can did hear a lot. It. I can hear it in the chorus of the P.I.L. of Public Image, yeah. because I can do that in yeah. my head real easily. I can hear it. Yeah. That's okay. I'll follow along with you on that one. I mean, Keith Levine d- did it to an extreme because a lot of times he used an aluminum body guitar to get that high pitched, tinny, dissonant ag- noise, ag- yeah. Ag- aggravating sound. But that's where that comes from. So, you know, The Edge has an original sound, but it's like he popularized an original sound. He didn't innovate it, you know. But I love yeah. the way he sounds. I love the I way do. he plays. I, I, enjoy, I, think I enjoy it. I, I, just, think, I think it may have made him. But it is derivative. It's, yes. it's not totally original. Uh, so you may have been one of the latest ones into the philanthropy game for the for the whole band, but he he did finally get there. He did a solo album and also a soundtrack for a film called The Captive. 
And then the, oh, Music Rising is the name of that charity, and it was Hurricane Katrina, if I misspoke about the name of the hurricane earlier, that he was buying instruments. I had it right the first time? Yep. Well, I know my track record. (laughs) 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 And and at that point, that's kind of the end of my notes. We're we're right at an hour. Should we do a wrap-up? Sure. Wrap it up. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I really dig the earlier music. As I said, I listened to pretty much everything to Rattle and Hum. Rattle and Hum was kind of the killer for me, uh, but they did lose me along the way. I understand why they're hated because of their holier-than-thou attitude, but I don't think that's an issue we should hate them over. I think that they're still out there trying to do decent stuff. I found very little reason to actually dislike them. I expected to find a little bit more. I just don't dig their music the same way I did when I was younger. It affected me more as a younger person than it does now, but that's that's a wrap. Yeah. He he comes across as a pretentious asshole because, and we were talking about this, you know, just a little while ago, where if you say you two, you think Bono. Um, he has they, they've geared themselves in such a way, and he's actually made himself out to this icon, and you know it, it, it's synonymous that you two and Bono become the same thing, and you know I'm tossed up to the idea that. Is he doing it because he really likes seeing his name in the paper? Or is he doing it because he has a real genuine care? Well, you know what? If he just started doing this in the last 10 years, that would be different. But he's been saying and doing all of these things since they first started. Their their, yeah. their message has yep. been True. you know, political. They, they've been incorporating real-world experience in their music from day one. This, this isn't He's just got money now, so he's able to do more things. Yep. And that's, you know, call it the monetary privilege. I don't know. I don't care. They aren't the same to me because they don't have that gritty edge that they did way early back. Yeah, just still there. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same people. It's not the same gritty kind of. Ugh. I did want to throw in that they do get credit, uh, and I missed in mine, but you just said that it's not the same people, and it reminded me that they are one of the few bands that is literally all of the same original people. Okay, I'm not talking about the fact that they're I, still I understand the same what living, you're saying. It's, it's, their listening, it's their listening crowd, and it's not who they are in public yeah. eye that you're saying. So, you know, I, I the, the new stuff, I turn off. The old stuff, I still listen to on the radio, if it's on. Uh, I can remember, like in 1980, or I, th- I felt I thought it was end of '79, but I was in a record store and I heard um, "I Will Follow." Uh, come on, and I was like, "What the?" He-? And I I heard it and I loved it because it sounded like Public Image's first album a little bit. And I was listening to it. I just went right up and I said, "What what what's this?" And they were like, "It's you two." And I was like, never heard of it. And they were like, here it is. It just came into the store today. And I, I bought it right there on the spot without her hearing anymore. Nice. And uh, I loved that album. Played the crap out of it. Uh, that one and War were my two favorites. I thought that they were really good albums. Because I, I could listen to them straight through and not feel that any song in there was filler. They, they just all were great songs in there. Loved them. Uh, you know, after it became less U2 and more like Bono uh, in terms of their, you know, non-recording, you know, their off-screen persona or whatever, uh, 
I thought Bono, when the Zoo TV tour started, I, I was so sick of this guy. I, I just couldn't stand looking at his face. He was so full of himself. But then after that, um, I started hearing a little bit more about him, and I, <laughs> I really appreciated that he was kind of an out-of-the-box thinker. It's like, like I mentioned before, he befriended Jesse Helms. Uh, when people started going on about, like, uh, George Bush, he was like, you know what? George Bush did more for AIDS in Africa than any president ever, so shut up. And he said that. And I was like, you know, that's kind of cool. That, like, this guy could be uh, not the usual, you know, thinking inside the box, you know, Hollywood type, where, you know, it just becomes this crazy partisan thing. And he really had an ability to reach out and... Uh, talk to people and stuff, and uh, you know he still does. And uh, if you see him interviewed, he's actually not a bad interview. He makes interesting points. He's worth listening to, like in some sort of like Dopey Charlie Rose thing or whatever. <laughs> you know, it's good. He's like one of the few rock stars I see interviewed about something where they go about off, real issues. They they go off their music and start talking about something other than their music, and they don't sound totally retarded. He actually makes good points and interesting points. Interesting guy to listen to. So uh, you know. I appreciate him. I agree.